Brent, we made it. We made it through the Old Testament. More importantly, the readers. What about? Oh yeah, the readers. readers. <laughs> I was gonna say, what about the readers? <laughs> yeah, they made it what, through the Old Testament, man. No, it's cool because I got a text from someone. I think you were on the text strand, and it said, "Reading the book of Malachi today or this week." Got one more book left. First time read through it. It's pretty awesome. It's really cool, and it's encouraging to think about people. I just. You know, like we talked about the McCloskeys on here, like BBQ, I can, BBQ. I I can just imagine family time. I mean, it just is going to continue to get better and better. You oh, know, yeah. as like the New Testament kind of pieces the Old Testament together. Oh yeah. If you want to use piecing as the illustration, mm. uh, and we got to apologize for the late posting, man. I was sick. You couldn't help it. Yeah, I'm well, trying to be a lot more. Gil gets on me regularly. Like you, you. You give it to Trent a little too much. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I need it. I need it. Gil, you could, this is a firsthand endorsement of I need that. This is her motherly instincts kick in. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brent, we finished the Old Testament. We did Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi um, last week. Briefly, you know, a minute recap of those four books, you know, we talked about Zephaniah during the reign of Josiah leading up to Babylonian exile. So there's a lot of judgment. Haggai is about a prophet speaking words of encouragement, uh, even a little bit of rebuke and exhortation to keep going and rebuilding the temple mm-hmm. after the Babylonian exile. Zechariah is a very similar timeline, um, basically kind of warning about judgment that don't be like your fathers. And there's a lot of prophetic language in that book. And then in Malachi, um, you know, because of the state, God's going to come and return, but it's not going to be until a messenger comes hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And we kind of spent a lot of time talking about that there, about uh, a messenger, a forerunner that's going to go forward. And so with that being said, as we're kind of getting up into the New Testament, you know, when we first began recording this and thinking about there's a hundred different directions that we could go to thinking about what themes to trace. Mm. And, you know, hopefully we've scratched the surface at least for people seeing Old Testament, New Testament connect. The big themes we've been seeing, you know, have been the presence of God moving from the Garden of Eden, the burning bush, the cloud that was leading Israel through the wilderness, well, also at Sinai, the tabernacle, and then the temple, Temple's destroyed, glory of God leaves, second temple's created, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of where Malachi leaves us at. Yep. We've also been tracing the theme of the Messiah, that guess who illustration, you know, it's going to be a descendant of Eve. It's going to be a descendant of Noah. It's going to be a descendant of Abraham, of uh, Isaac, of Jacob, of the tribe of Judah. He's going to be a king coming from uh, the tribe of Judah, He's going to be born of a virgin and he's going to come from the town of Bethlehem. Like all these things are kind of the themes that we've been tracing. And so we leave the Old Testament and then in the first book of the New Testament, it's pretty remarkable that a genealogy Mm. is what picks up in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, the reason why we kind of chose those two themes is because it's at the beginning of Matthew one mm-hmm. that those themes intersect and collide in yep. the old Testament. They're parallel lines. You know, they're like, 
okay, you know, while all we know is that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David, uh, God's glory is dwelling in a temple. And then it kind of, as the storyline progresses, they kind of have their different iterations, different details of what we know. But here in Matthew 1, we see the Messiah's lineage from starting in Abraham, although we know it's from Eve, but because it's writing to an audience of Jewish readers, right. Matthew is picking up like, hey, we know from Genesis that Abraham is going to be the father of a great nation. So he mm-hmm. starts with Abraham on purpose and then moves his way down and finishes with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So here we see that the presence of God and the Messiah come together and intersect here in the person of Jesus Christ at the beginning uh, of the New Testament. So uh, I know Matthew's got tons of chapters. When people are reading this week, you know, I think there's probably been some weeks we've done 28 chapters, but Matthew's long. Hmm. So are some of the other Gospels, like Luke. Would you think of, I, I wrote down some themes of things that we could talk through um, off the top of your head, are there are there attributes or things about the book of Matthew that jump to your mind um, as you think about its kind of unique contribution to the New Testament? Yeah. Well, and I think even to step back from that, just to remember that like the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not, um, they're not like, biographies in the traditional sense of the term they are they're like theological biographies so they all are making a unique contribution to like a who is the person of Christ and who who is God they're using they're speaking of the life of Christ but it's not like okay we should expect them to say the exact same things if they are like accurate that's not their point. They're not set, they're not trying to give like a, here's a history of Jesus's life. They're trying to say like this is who Christ is, this is who God is um, through the life of Jesus. And so they're selective in terms of what they include and what they exclude uh, as they tell their own unique accounts. But it's not because they're like getting stuff wrong. But it's they have a they have a theological aim, mm-hmm. a point to communicate. And so would, that's just that, just to say, like they they each have their own unique kind of uh, theological point that they're they're trying to make. And the way that it would change would based on who's writing the letter, and then and also the who's receiving the letter. Yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. what they're what they're trying to communicate to them. Probably about, shouldn't call it a letter. It's not a letter per se. Book. Uh, except Luke. Luke's a letter. Yeah. But yeah, these, um, these books. So yeah, as far as Matthew goes, I mean, I think the you know Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. is huge. And honestly, dude, I didn't even really write much about that. I was yeah. kind of going to see if you had any thoughts when we got there. But yeah, uh, so that's I mean, know, extremely well, unique to Matthew. So there's Matthew's chapters five through seven. I mean, could you kind of give a, a very overview, very high overview of what the Sermon on the Mount is? Or yeah, uh, I mean, I think. This is, again, Matthew's, like, inclusion of what he wants to put in from what Jesus said in this, you know, this extended teaching or whatever. Uh, And we should clarify, Matthew is a disciple of Jesus writing to primarily a Jewish audience. Yep, yep. And so some of the Sermon on the Mount is kind of taking the letter of the law that the Jewish person would understand. And Jesus is kind of saying, here's how it's fulfilled in me. Here's how it's fulfilled in like who I am and what 
the law really is intended to do in a person's life with yep. the spirit. So uh, I think that's that's kind of a unique perspective. Um, and then there's like this this blessed you know the blessed ours. Um, and I think there's a way to read that that it's like well I need to be a peacemaker so I get blessing or I need to be yep. you know meek so I get blessing. I think it's more like when the kingdom comes upon you, you will be blessed as you live these new ways. This is the blessed life when the kingdom comes upon you. Not like, uh, if I do this, then I'll get blessing. But more, the blessing is the kingdom coming, Christ at work in your life, and this is the result yeah. that happens in your life. Yep. And it's interesting too, because I think what you said about the Sermon on the Mount is interesting because you you kind of mentioned how like how Jesus fulfills... In some ways, it's interesting because that actually is kind of a some sometimes that's hard to kind of pick up on because that the first reading of the Sermon on the Mount it feels as though Jesus has like changing or like mm-hmm. raising the standard of holiness mm-hmm. when in reality he's more so it's fulfillment language yeah it's fulfillment language but also he's kind of realized like he's trying to get people to realize you might not have murdered anybody physically, but you've murdered people in your heart. And the fulfillment language, I find like especially insightful at the very end of seven because after the super long discourse, it says the crowds walk away astonished by who is teaching it. Of like, so there is something there that's kind of drawing attention to the teacher of this, not just like, man, this is really hard to obey, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. So... More can be said there, but some other themes that just to think through about in Matthew, and as I kind of bring these up, feel free to interrupt, go on rabbit trails, whatever I'm missing. Because this is a Jewish audience, one of the themes we should continually see reoccurring is explicit Old Testament fulfillment. Yep. So, for example, you're, you're going to see the language over and over again saying, this was to fulfill, yep. or thus was fulfilled by the prophet Jeremiah or yeah. Isaiah. Yeah. And so, just, just even to before the very first words of the very first chapter is a connection of the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So yeah. if you don't read, if you don't read the old Testament, that's kind of meaningless. Yep. But if you've read this, you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. that goes all the way back to Genesis and traces all the way through. And it's basically saying here he is. This and, is it. And if you're a Jew and you read that, yeah. you're like it's immediately like, okay, yeah. this is a huge claim. Like yeah. to say this is like, this is the anticipated one. Yeah. You yeah. know? And that's why they had so much problem with it. <laughs> so the, some of the other like kind of explicit fulfillment language that we see um, is even in the very beginning, you know, like we see, uh, you know, King Herod wants to know where the rival king is in, I think it's in Matthew 3, uh, Matthew 2. He's He asked the, the wise men, hey, wh- where's your king coming from? And I love this point because uh, the wise men respond by saying, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so was written by the prophet. Mm. What I love about that is like, not only is there a connection where we see, I think it's what? Is it, is it uh, I'm trying to think what prophet is that off the top of our head? Is that... Um, what, Bethlehem of Judea? Yeah. Uh, that Zechariah. Yeah. Zechariah 9. Um, so that's one thing. It's like, it's a fulfillment there. The other thing I love about it is those 
wise men knew the scriptures. Mm. They were like, we know where he, what he looks like, mm-hmm. you know? So that's just, that's another encouragement of you saying people wouldn't know the son of David, son of Abraham. Like the better, the best way for us to understand the new Testament is to understand the old. 100%, like, 100%. So that's one John the Baptist. That's another immediate fulfillment in Matthew three for this was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So that's one thing, explicit old Testament fulfillment. The other one that's really interesting that is kind of harder to pick up on is implicit Old Testament repetition. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that there are times throughout the New Testament that the author, David Woodworth has said this to me before, the, old, the, the New Testament authors or even the gospel writers are winking at the readers. Totally. Basically saying, hey. You, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, this is, this is ringing a bell, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So for example, Herod in Matthew 2 is ordering a decree to kill babies. Yeah. Sounds a lot Where like we heard that before. Pharaoh in yeah. Exodus 1 and 2. Jesus is baptized in Matthew 3, and then Matthew 4 goes into the wilderness. In Exodus, very similarly, all the plagues, yep. they go through water, through um, the leadership of Moses, through the Jordan River, and is it Jordan River? Red Sea. Red Sea. And uh, they go through water, and then they're led into the wilderness to be tempted. Yep. And in Exodus... Jesus or God says to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son. Yeah. And in the baptism of Jesus, God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Yep. So Jesus is kind of the fulfillment of who Israel was supposed to. And well, even before that, who Adam was supposed to be. Yeah. Very true. You know, then who Israel was supposed to be. And in that, you know, you mentioned the Jesus being baptized, going into the wilderness and then the temptation comes, uh, and we think oftentimes like that account is how should we handle temptation, which is true, but on a much broader level, it's where Israel, well, where Adam and Eve failed mm-hmm. in the perfect environment yeah. where it was, couldn't get any better. And then Israel failed in the wilderness while God's sustaining them. Not a, not an easy environment, but you know, God's clearly at work in their life. They fail. Jesus is victorious over all of that temptation. Mm-hmm. And so it's from a theology standpoint, it's like Jesus is the fulfillment yeah. where all of humanity failed. He's like the, the true, yeah. um, you know, perfect, perfect yep. human and God, man. Yeah. I, I love that. It's, it's great to think cause you can read, it's easy to read through the, <laughs> I loved we're, we're recording this on Sunday right after Aaron preached, but, I love how Aaron spent a little bit of time of basically talking about all the ways God is not like us mm-hmm. or rather we're not like God. And you can read Matthew four and it's just kind of like there is that kind of initial application, which is a genuine one of how do we fight temptation? But like yeah. the passages throughout Matthew continue to testify to his deity. Yeah. So that's implicit old Testament repetition. Another theme to think through is about, or at least to take notice of, is about who Jesus ministers to. Mm. So one people group that continues to come up that Jesus ministers to in the New Testament are the same people that the Old Testament would have deemed unclean. Mm -hmm. So for example, touching a leper in the Old Testament would have made you unclean. You would have had to go outside the camp. Mm -hmm. People would have avoided people with leprosy. But it says in Matthew 8 that when a leper came to him and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, mm-hmm. I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Mm-hmm. So 
there is going to show, you know, there that that Jesus kind of reverses the curse of Adam. Yeah. Uh, and you know, is fulfilling Old Testament. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. There's, yeah, and at the same there. time, it's it you know it, it can be a little confusing, kind of like well, Jesus is doing stuff that is the illegal? law the law prohibited, and that comes up where yeah, Jewish leaders are like, hey, what gives you the right? Yeah, and then that comes up with the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. But all of that is like he uses that as like a you know a teaching point of this whole fulfillment language of what what was this for? Mm-hmm. And there's certain things that he's literally fulfilling. Like, no, I'm doing I'm actually doing what was supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. And some places it's just a, it's a new thing. It's a new era now that Christ is here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And I would just, I, I was going to say this at the end, but it's pr- appropriate now is that as we get into the New Testament, this should prompt questions, mm-hmm. you know, of like the application today mm-hmm. is to think through like, okay, we don't sacrifice any goats at church. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Jesus do that? Right. But is it, you know, so I just encourage people, if you've got questions, send them into us podcast at linworthbaptist.org hmm. because it, it is just it's really critical to think i mean we had um we had a young man high school student get baptized become a member of the church and the first book he started reading was leviticus yeah and the the thing that he thought was he couldn't eat pork yeah. that was like the first thing yeah. he thought through it was like oh i i didn't realize that we understand books kind of in light of yeah it's later fulfillments yeah. and stuff like yeah. that yeah yeah so yeah, we we read today in Mark, Jesus cleanses the ble- the bleeding woman, so he clean he ministers to people that the Old Testament would have deemed unclean. He also says that there is a need to minister to the Jews, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating. Like in Matthew ten, when he's calling the disciples, and he's kind of giving them the cost of discipleship, like you're going to be hated by all for my name's sake, but go out and move, go to tribes. What's interesting is in Matthew ten, his ministry at least initially in Matthew is to the Jews. Yep. It says go nowhere amongst the unbelieving Gentiles, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. Which if you're a Jew, you know, it's kind of like what do you mean the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Yeah. Like there are like we are the sheep. Yeah, we're not lost. <laughs> yeah, we're and that's part of the dialogue that goes on is yeah. kind of like we what, what do you mean? Yeah. Why, why why do you think that we're sick? Why yeah. do you think that we need something and again what's interesting there is like as we're kind of getting closer to the inauguration of the new covenant this goes to show like we talked about in the old covenant how um the people of god was kind of a mixed assembly of genuine believers in people that didn't actually believe in god in the new covenant you know jesus is saying like all partakers of the new covenant will know me yeah so which doesn't mean that there won't be wheat and tares. You know, it doesn't totally. mean that like in a church, everybody's a Christian. It just means that everyone who's a part of the new covenant is a Christian. In other words, everyone who has the spirit of God is a Christian. Mm-hmm. You can't, can't not be. Yep. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. But then the other thing that's, that's crazy is that not only do, does he extend ministry to the Jews, but probably the most controversial thing, well, one of the more controversial things that Jesus does is he ministers to the Gentiles and even lifts them up above the Jews mm. at times. Mm-hmm. So the people of God previously... Not, were, not by like priority. That's but correct. like by saying Example. they're doing what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. or their faith or their interest in me is like yeah. commendable. So 
for example, when Jesus is talking to the centurion Roman guard, probably someone who was not a Jew, says, you know, I believe that, you, you, you know, that when you say things, it will happen. And Jesus says, truly, I have with, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Yeah. Is basically to say, you know, this person who is a Gentile, not a part of the Old Testament people of God, is the example of what we should kind of imitate here. Yep. So again, to a Jewish audience, this would be controversial. Yep. Um, he does the same with the Canaanite woman. And then thinking about how Jesus ministers to, uh, how Jesus does his ministry, you know, um, one of the things that I think people should be aware of is Jesus speaks in parables. A lot. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit, about what to anticipate? Yeah. What a parable is? Yeah, I mean, a parable is basically a, you know, like a lived out object lesson or something like that. So it's, um, he's making a theological point or a personal, you know, <laughs> application by telling a story. But the whole point is for us to identify with one of the characters in the story. But he doesn't do it in like, a, hey, you're like this guy. He just tells a story. And That's as you, Brent, yeah, you're yeah. the wheat. Yeah, yeah. But what's crazy is like, this is even more powerful because if you heard it that way, you would already know kind of the punch. But by doing it the way that he does it, he's like drawing you in to listen to the story and then you're self-identifying with someone in the, 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 the story. And then like the end comes and you're like, whoa, yeah. that's me. Yeah. That's how I think, that's how I act. So he draws them in, and then it's even more convicting. And because because even you start to think like, you start to be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like that, yeah. Why is that person doing that? And then be like, oh shoot, that's how I act. He's he's talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's even parables about that. A parables addressing the people that think, yeah, hey, we, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm better than other people. Yeah, totally. Like we read in scripture that one. I don't know if it's in Matthew. I think it's in Luke about, you know, the tax collector that goes yeah. home justified. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the thing, the cool thing to remember about parables is like the power of story. And, you know, it's honestly like some of them. <sighs> like if Jesus, I guess my point is like if Jesus was just to kind of didactically say, this is how God is, this is what I'm like, and this is how you're living. Mm -hmm. There's a straightforwardness to that, but he doesn't do that very much. Mm -hmm. He almost always is tell, getting to that point in a roundabout way so that you're, you're self identifying and you're kind of almost incriminating yourself along the way. Yep. And, uh, it's in that way too, with those object lessons, like it's proverbial in a way, like it kind of is reminiscent of proverbs oh, yeah. of yeah. like, yeah. In the same way, that Proverbs uses these word pictures that are like, like an ox goes to the slaughter talking about someone committing adultery. Similarly, when you think about like the smallness of the church's impact on the world, yeah. you have that illustration of like, now nah, the kingdom of God is like, it's like a mustard seed, seed. like a mustard seed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. There's a way of just these encouragements. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I think it's also really good for us to realize to have that kind of variety in our own teaching. Yeah. Because when it's all just didactic, A, B, C, D, whatever, like Jesus doesn't do very much of that. Now, Paul does. Paul does a lot of that. His is almost more like kind of legal argument yep. kind of mm -hmm. stuff. 
and so it's not saying that one is better than the other. Or you should only do uh-huh. one, but it is like, I think a lot of times part of the reason we neglect the old Testament is because there's a lot of narrative there. There's a lot of story, uh-huh. but that's sort of how Jesus taught. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting too, is there are so many times that Jesus gives a parable and then like the audience is basically sits there and thinks, what does he mean? Yes. And they have to go up and ask him, like, can you yeah. help? And even then he doesn't always answer it's the not question. Very clear. <laughs> yes. Which again, it, he's like trying to say, you figure it out. Yeah. Like think, think about correctly. it. Go go home and think more about this. Because if I just tell you, yeah. you have your answer and then you're going to go on and do whatever. Yep. So that's one of the ways that he ministers to. Another one that's interesting just through his teaching is, and I don't know if this is, common to Matthew or just the gospels in general, but it just it struck me as I was reading it is there such an emphasis on the heart and not on external obedience, like yeah. over and over and over again, which that's set up in that, in the sermon on the Mount. Like that's yeah, all, that's all true. that that is. Yep. But even later on in his one-on-one interactions where he's not even teaching to people, like it's basically like I can think of the time, I think it's in Matthew 15 where they, are accusing Jesus and his disciples of eating food with unwashed hands. Uh, And in that, uh, Jesus basically makes the point in Matthew 15 when he says, uh, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person for out of the heart, uh, the mouth uh, for what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. And it's just, he, you know, he uh, he has no reservations of telling people that their hearts are evil, that their hearts are wicked and twisted and have a wrong understanding about the world and also an elevated view of themselves as well. Um, and so uh, that's actually another one of the themes is that to think of is that um, he is one of the other ways that he ministers is that he is uh, very critical of the Jewish leaders of that day, the Jewish scribes and elders uh, of Israel during that time. I mean, Which is he, interesting when you think that it it's written to a Jewish audience. Yeah. I mean, he is like, in Matthew 23, he's low-key merciless. Yeah. Like, he he is saying... Whoa. Yeah, whoa. Whoa, not, not like, <laughs> wow, but woe but, to you. But, if, but it brings back, like, when youth, in some ways, man, this... At least that section, it sounds like a minor prophet. Mm. Like all oh, those, very, very much. Like when you read through the minor prophets over and over again, it's like woe to you, Tyre. Woe yeah. to you, Sidon. Yeah. For you have neglected yeah. the widows and orphans and yeah. all that stuff. And he has the same language yeah. about the Jews, yeah. and is basically saying, "You neglect the weightier matters of the law." Yeah. Saying. Uh, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. justice and mercy. I mean, that's that's Micah. That's yeah. like yeah. it's so wild yeah. that he does that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other two things I wanted to think about briefly that we'll see in Matthew will be repeated in others as well. Is there's a, a long discourse about the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Stay awake. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you do not know when the Lord is going to return. Yeah. To me, man, that was, it might have been because I was sick and I was really struggling to read my Bible and, you know. Trying to stay awake. Literally. Trying to stay awake. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, No, but the thing was, is like, I think there was just kind of a piece of me that was like thinking through, my Christian life in general recently has been kind of like, I could get 
more committed again later. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll next week I'll take my time in the word way more seriously mm-hmm. or time in prayer or mm-hmm. evangelism or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, there's just this constant theme of like, you don't know when yep. I'm coming back, yep. Yep. you know? Um, which is remarkable because he's saying that while he's there in his first coming, which should emphasize even more so like if he's saying that now, like he's coming back soon, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then the last one that is a unique contribution to Matthew is the great commission. Mm-hmm. He's thinking about how the book ends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have any, any thoughts there? Uh, I mean, other than, again, I think that's they, each of the gospel writers have their own purpose and point and each of them end in a very unique way. You know, Matthew ends with this like very explicit, this is what I want you to do. This is the main job that you have. Wait till we get to Mark. Yeah. Mark, it's just left, you know, vague, very hung off. Like, Mm -hmm. like go and tell my brothers and sisters and you know, Mm -hmm. that I've risen from the dead and they didn't know what Mm -hmm. to do, you know? And you know, John, it's like a, Hey, there's there's way more, but this is the purpose of this book, so yep. that you'll know that Jesus yeah, yeah, is the Christ, yeah. Son of God. And you know, Luke, you have Jesus joining the men on the road to Emmaus, yeah. and you know, so they each. But this, I think, the uniqueness here is just like, if there was ever any question, what I wanted you to do, this is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. And man, it's so so easy to like miss that, like, or or to get distracted away from that. And even as churches, to be like, what what is our purpose? Yeah, this has to be our purpose. Yeah, it's because it is. It's interesting in a big picture meta narrative way of saying like the book starts by saying this is the Son of God, uh, Jesus, who is the Savior of the people of Israel. So it's a very Jewish beginning, and then the book has this like outward facing. Go mm. tell Everybody. all of the nations. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like. Which is, you think about the Abraham, like what God said to Abraham. Yeah. I'm going to bless you and you're going to bring blessing to all the peoples well, of the earth. And man, even before that, like you think about in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply and have yeah. dominion over the earth. Yeah. Like Abraham, the commission to Abraham is like, hey, this is a do-over. Yeah. We're starting over. Yeah. And then in many ways, this is the Christ the, you know, the post-resurrection, spirit-fueled yep. r- restart of, hey, we're going to have dominion over the earth, but it's not going to be a physical kingdom, yep. and it's not going to be a genealogical right. kingdom of right. just having a bunch of kids, but it's a spiritual uh, kingdom through the means of us spreading the gospel and making disciples. And I think just the thing, like as we think about, there's applications, obviously, we've been talking about this book there's tons of applications along the way but the thing that's fascinating about the great commission and i harp steve and i harp on this when we do the membership class at church is in the great commission you know if you ask an average group of people hey what's the great commission you know they typically will just say go make disciples yeah and translated to our brains is like make converts have people come to faith in jesus yeah but the fact that he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey that all that I commanded you yep. to do, disciples are to be increasing, you know, in a godly discontent, they should be have a godly discontentment about their present obedience, mm-hmm. and 
continue to grow obedient to the Lord in whatever way. So we talk a lot about how, you know, this podcast, this reading through this is a resource for people who, who are doing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, man, if this is your hundredth time reading Matthew, yep. there needs to be this vulnerability of like, Lord, show me where I'm yep. off yep. balance. Yep. Like, and it's just, it's kind of crazy. Like that's what we do when we get our time in the word every morning. It's yep. basically like, Lord, give me some comfort and give me some, you know, uh, what was the Dan Estes one? Uh, uh, Every time that you... Coffee black? No, 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 no. <laughs> Every time you sit down and read your Bible, wow, ow, new, new. You got to explain that. My, Well, basically, what the understanding is, what is something that wows you yeah. about God or about that's in the teaching in God's word? And what's something that ows you? Something that hurts. That hurts. Yeah, it's like, ooh, man, yeah. spot on. Yeah. I'm the man that yeah. he's talking about here. Something, what's a reminder of something you knew? K-N-E-W. Something that you knew, but you just need to remind it of. And then new, N-E-W. What's something new that you can apply to your life? Um, When I told my Bible study about that a couple weeks ago, my brother Logan's like, he was like, so wait a minute, is it ow, wow, brown cow? What (laughs) what, what is Did he just? No, it was not that. He just doubled down, you know, the next morning. He's like, hey, Trent, try not the ow, wow, brown cow. It's like, all right, just clearly just. Platform for the joke, dude. That's all I got. There's way, way more we could say. And the next week, after people read through Matthew, we'll be getting into Mark and some of Luke too. Yeah, Mark's shorter. Yep, and Luke is not. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good work. All right, man. Glad you're feeling better. You want to pray? Yep. Father, thank you for uh, those that have stuck with it this long, and I'll pray that you'd continue to. Encourage them and encourage us to keep going and keep seeking you and learning about you. I pray that you would speak to us and challenge us and shape us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.